How many of you are thankful for being here? Yes, it's so good. It's just so good to uh, be in God's house, and <clears throat> it's so good, and and just being thankful. You know, we're coming into a season of Thanksgiving, and and sometimes in our uh, table top discussion so to speak and on our thanksgiving meal we we try to ask each each family member what are you thankful for you know for this past year you know and <clears throat> that's something that my dad has uh, has asked us you know in the past you know he wants every uh family member just to go around and just be what are you thankful for this past year and so let me ask you this what are you thankful for this past year what are you thankful for this past year? Being thankful is is an important aspect of being human. And it is. It's very important for us to be thankful. But God is the ultimate being who deserves all the thanks. And I want us to learn that these next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at James chapter one, verse 13. But being thankful, I wish it could come easy. I wish it could come natural, but it's a practice. And that's what it says in the small print, practicing thanksgiving. It's. It's actually a practice. It's something that we have to do. And the other, uh, last Sunday or the Sunday before, I talked about having good habits. Sometimes we, 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 we create bad habits, and, and when we have Christ and we have an encounter with Christ, uh, we want us to begin to start having good habits, you know. And it's something that it takes practice. It takes work. And I gave the analogy about brushing our teeth, you know, and, and it's something that we have to teach our kids at a very young age that how important it is to brush your teeth in the morning and after after each meal and before you go to bed and and how important it is for your teeth to be healthy. And, and it's something that we had to teach them where they have a habit now of doing that when they wake up. And it's the same thing with Thanksgiving, being thankful. It's a matter of seeing things differently. It's a matter of perspective. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says this. You can follow along your Bible or we have it up on the screen. He says, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. Keep that in mind. Verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, brings forth death. 
verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Father God, just be with us this morning, Father, as we open your word, Father God, I pray that you would give me the words to speak to your people, Father. That the words that are coming out of my mouth, they're not my words, but they're your words, Father. I pray for conviction this morning, Father. I pray for hearts to be softened. I pray that we would have a set of new eyes on the way we look at things, Father. But ultimately, Father, I want you to be honored and glorified. Because it's all about Jesus. And we want to keep our focus on him. And so, Father, as we... Open your word as we come together, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit, that we would just surrender to the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Today is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice in it, right? That's something that I've been saying uh, quite a bit, you know, Psalms 118. And it is so true that each and every single day that we have here on earth is a day that the Lord has made. It's a day that the Lord has blessed me with, that has blessed you with. And Amanda has been blessed with many more days. And that was the first thing that I have to be reminded that just be able to wake up is a blessing. And oh, how many times I've taken that for granted, just not realizing that I'm blessed to have another day with my wife. I'm blessed to have another day with my kids. I'm blessed to have another Sunday with my church. God is so amazing. God is so amazing. But sometimes the only time that we, I, we, us, give him thanks is when something amazing happens. You see a lot of celebrities when they get this big award or they win the Grammys or what's the other Oscars, you know. They come up and they they receive their their trophy and first thing they do is they thank all the people in their lives that made it possible and a lot of them even think I thank my God I thank the man upstairs I I thank Jesus you know and and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that but it just seems that that's the only times that we really have that spirit of of thankfulness is when we see a big blessing. But what I want you to understand, church, that what Scripture says here in verse 16 or in 17, he says that every 
good gift. And every perfect gift is from God. Every good gift. So what is every good gift? Start off with, man, we woke up this morning. Do you know in a 24-hour time frame, when do we trust God the most? When what? At night when we're asleep. That is when we trust God the most. So much can happen while we're asleep. So much can happen. But with us not even knowing, that is the, that is the, the part of our time in our life that we trust God the most because we are able to sleep. And so waking up, wow, Lord, thank you for this day. Now, I've never really had a near-death experience, but I know some of you have. And I bet after that, that near-death experience now, you, you look at life differently. I bet your family looks at life differently because now it's like they lo- almost lost you, but you're here. God has blessed you with many more. Kids, my wife. Man, those are things that I take for granted. I, sometimes my kids get on my nerves. But I guarantee you, I get on their nerves. But sometimes we're not so thankful. Sometimes we get so caught up with the negativity of the world because it's all around us. We see it it on Facebook. We see it on social media. We see it on the news. So much chaos. So much bad. Do you not understand or realize that that's what the enemy is trying to do, is trying to focus more on the bad things that are happening than the good things that are happening? He did that from the very beginning. We're going to talk about that. How's your perspective on life right now? Are you truly true? Do you truly, truly thankful for what God has done? Even in the small things as just waking up. I want us to become one of the most joyful church in town. Why? Because we have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Do I have that up there? Greg? It should be the next one if I didn't put it up there. But it says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice always, right? He says, rejoice always, pray without season, and in everything give thanks. He says, everything give thanks. For why? Because this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. You want to know what your will is? You want to know what you're supposed to be doing? What's, the, what's your will? It's to give thanks. To always 
give thanks. He says, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's quite simple. Right? And he says in verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. He says, test all things. Hold fast to what is good. And abstain from every form of evil. Hold fast to what is good. And that's what God is telling us, that don't focus on the bad things in your life. But look at the good things and see those good things and grab onto them and hold on to them and be reminded of how good God is. And because you're going to be reminded of how good God is, you're going to rejoice. You're going to rejoice. Gratitude is a powerful force. For people. It's a powerful. What is gratitude? Webster's Dictionary says the quality of being thankful is what gratitude is. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. But boy, we live in a world that teaches us it's all about me. The world trinity, me, myself, and I. That's the wrong trinity to live by. That is the wrong trinity to live by. God wants us to be about him. God's business is all about his son's business. Right? And we begin by being thankful. By being thankful. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. And in the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside of themselves. And as a result, gratitude also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions have good experiences, can have improvement of their health, can help them to deal with adversity, and also helps them build strong relationships. And this is a quote from Harvard Health Publishing. And the title of that article was, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. Wow! Can really... Can it really help me with my health? Being more positive? Start being, uh, start looking at the good things? Help them with our emotions? Wow. Right? Man, I, I've, I've, I've had friends who I worked with or uh, just been around for so many years. And, and it's like there was no, absolutely nothing that can happen in their life. They're just always negative. Have you ever had somebody like that in your family or a friend? That doesn't matter what you do or what you say. It's just their negative outlook on life. I, Rebecca used to tell me all the times, why you got to be so negative? 
Well, because if the worst doesn't happen, then it's okay. I, I expect the worst, but no, that's not the way God in, in, intended for us to think, right? That's not, that's not how God, God wants us to think of the good things. Yeah, but uh, no. Thank you, Jesus, for a wife that tells me how it, how it is, how I should be. But it is. It could be a powerful force for us. It could be a habit that can be life-changing. It helps us build, it could help us build strong relationships. Some of those people that are in my lives that have negative outlook on life, they're some of my closest friends now. It's amazing. It's amazing. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions. Have you ever met somebody that was so positive in your life? How does that make you feel? Right. You want to hang out with that person. You know, you want, you want, you want to hear what that person has to say. When, when you need some encouragement, that's probably one of the first people you go to is a positive person, right? Man, how's your day? Oh, it's not doing too good. I just, and they come after you with some positive feedback. Oh, Brandy, during this whole month and a half of just talking to her and and just going, knowing what she's going through with her 14-year-old daughter. And me and Becky would just be like, man, you know what? Her daughter was on life support, but she always had a positive attitude when her 14-year-old daughter is about to die. God, I want that faith. I want that. I want to have that kind of outlook. So, it's amazing. Could that be part of her healing? Was because her mom, not only did she, her mom had so much faith, but she, she just had a, a positive outlook. God's going to deliver her. I ain't worried. Positive about the hospital. Positive about the nurses and the doctors. Even though I'm sure some of them got on her nerves. She was still positive. It's all how we see things. It's a matter of perspective. I like this story about Matthew uh, Henry. He was a Bible scholar and he got robbed and he got home after he got robbed and he wrote in his journal. He says uh, he was giving thanks to God that. That he's never been robbed before until now. He says, thank you, God, that I've never been robbed before until now. And then he gave another thanks. He says, thank you, Lord, for the robbers didn't take my life. I'm very thankful for that, Lord. He gave another thanks. Lord, even though they took everything that I had, it wasn't much. Thank you, Lord. And then he said another thank you. He says, Lord, thank you that it was me that got robbed. And it wasn't me doing the robbing. It's all a matter of perspective. 
How do we see things? How do we see things? Yes, we should give thanks. We should give thanks to our family, our spouses, to people who are important, our parents, good friends. But we should give God all, all the honor and glory. Give him all the thanks for every good thing. The truth is that our thank you list, God should be at the top. God should be at the top. Because anything good in our lives is from the hand of God. And that is what amazes me. That's what amazes me. Me and Todd were up here this morning and just praying for the church and just praying for our service. And and God just... Just I was just picturing God when I was just thanking him for all the things. Big and small and everything in between. I just see God. I would just had a vision of God just grabbing Roman and handing him, handing him to us. I see him grabbing Christian and giving us to him and, and Selma and Ellie. And Tarina. And then I see all my friends that he's just been giving to me in my life. My wife. Then I see the church that he called me to pastor. He just gave that to me. Like he literally just got from his hands and just out of. And I was just picturing of all these billions of people. And God standing up here and he says, Richard, this is for you. Becky, this is for you. Brandy, this is for you. Gary, this is for you. And he picked you for those good things that are in your life. He picked you for those. And that was just amazing. It was an amazing vision. And I'm like a little kid. God, for me? For me, you gave me Becky? Even though I just got on her nerves this morning? Even though she made me mad and I acted crazy, she's, yes, that's why you better take care of her because I gave her to you. It was just an amazing. Oh, but how we tend to not look at things that way. The next slide in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man And put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You understand that? God just built, created the heavens and the earth, created the world, created the garden. And now he's telling them, look. You can have all this. And then verse 18. He says, and the Lord God said, it is not good. That man should be alone and I will make him a helper comparable to him. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, the devil was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said that you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. That's exactly what the world tells us today. If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. You understand this story is exactly what James is talking about. When he says, let no one say that when he is tempted, that I am tempted to God. Because let me tell you right now, God does not tempt you to do evil. Period. God does not tempt you to do evil. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. We see this happening with Eve. We see this. Adam told Eve, gave her the word and says, listen, we can't. We got all this beautiful trees to eat from, but you can't eat from that one. All right. Look at all these good things. Just don't focus on this one bad. The serpent comes in and twists it. Oh, look how good this one is. Look how beautiful these fruits are. Look how tasty it can be. Did God really say that? She's getting drawn. She's getting drawn into. She's being deceived. And what happens? Verse 15 of James says that when desires has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. This is exactly what James is talking about, what happened in Genesis. Exactly what the enemy does today. Exactly what he does today. Feels good. It's coming from your heart, so it should be right. No. When it's coming from God, it is right. When it's coming from God, it is right. How is it? That Adam and Eve was walking with God. They got deceived. Think about that. They were walking with God. I don't like to give the enemy too much power. But I believe 
that we don't realize how much power the enemy has. You know, I believe as a church, we don't take the enemy schemes as serious as we need to. And this is one thing I want you to realize. This is his kingdom here. This is the enemy's palace, this world. We see it. We see it all the time. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I got to the point where I I don't even, I try to stay away from social media, Facebook. People put in their political agendas on Facebook. People put in their own, uh, their own personal agendas on Facebook. We saw it through COVID. Mask, no mask, vaccines, non-vaccine. Social distancing, you shouldn't be social distancing. Church is closing, church shouldn't close. But yet, believers, the church, can't see these are all the enemy schemes. Let's focus on the good things. Yeah, the bad things we have to have some concerns about. Yes, bad things do happen. And trials do happen. But there's a difference between trials and temptation. A lot of times we go through trials because of the choices that we've made. God, I always say this to people. Well, did that come from God? Well, either God made it happen or he allowed it to happen. That's the only two options we got. Either God made it happen or he allowed it to happen. He loves us. Man, he's so good. Is there anything in our lives? I'm if there is anything in your lives, my lives, our lives that is positive or good, it's from God. And God gave that special goodness to you, to you, to you. And that is what amazes me. There's some. So how? How can we, in closing, how can we have a positive outlook on life? I said this a couple of Sundays ago. Where are you keeping your focus on? Remember the whole sunflower analogy? How beautiful a sunflower happens? And I didn't, you know, I learned this a couple of weeks ago that the sunflower is always facing the sun. The sun ra- uh, rises in the east and goes down in the west, and you see the, the, the fields of sunflowers, and the, they, they actually keep their, they're facing the sun. And, That's what we need to do, church. Focus on the sun. See things. Focus on God. 
here's some quotes that I came up, or I didn't come up with, but I came across. What consumes your mind controls your life. What consumes your mind controls your life. Another quote, don't focus on your adversaries. Focus on God's possibilities. Ooh, that's a good one. True faith is keeping your eyes on God when the world around you is falling apart. Right? That's exactly what we're talking about. Instead of thinking about how hard the test is, we can instead focus on asking the Lord to enlarge our understanding. Crystal McDowell quoted that. I like this one. When you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. Right? Wow. Stop that stinking thinking. Focus on God, not your problem. Listen to God, not your insecurities. Rely on God, not your own strength. My relationship with God is my number one focus. I know that if I take care of that, God will take care of everything else. And that right there is so true. I'm a living testimony of that. The more that I focus. Now, I'm not there. I know that going to come to a surprise to a lot of you, but I am nowhere near where I need to be. (laughs) But I'm also not where I was yesterday or day before or last month. But as I, we were sharing this in our adult, uh, in our Sunday school class, you know, the more that I fall in love with Christ, the more that I read his word, there's, it's just so that love for him just grows even more and more. And I see that everything in my life is, is starting to get easier, starting to come together. You know, the relationship with my kids, the relationship with my wife, the relationship at my work, things are just falling in place. And things are just getting easier because I'm putting God first. Malachi 3 verse 7 says, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my obedience or ordinance and have not kept them. He says, return to me and I will return to you. That's his, that's his promise. That's his word. And he's saying, you just return to me. And he says, I'm going to return it to you. I'm going to take care of you. He says, but you have to do something. Right? It's more, there's, in Judges chapter 10, and, and, and this is the last part of my notes, but the Israelites cried out to the Lord. In Judges, they wanted judge after judge. They wanted a king after a king, and, and they didn't like the way this king was running it or doing things, and so they tried to do their own thing. And then it got them into a bigger problem, a bigger situation. And then when, when they hit rock bottom, that's when they cried out to the Lord. And then the Lord delivers them and he brings them a king. And, and then they go over it again. It's just a continuous cycle. God delivers them. They praise him. And then they forget that they were delivered and they go and want to do their own thing. Isn't that kind of how we are? Right? A guy used to tell me all the time, God wants the commitment not when it's a convenience and what he tells me what he's telling me on that way is saying that the only time that we come crying out to god is when we're desperately needing him when something in our life is going on 
a family member is really sick or your finances aren't right for that month or something drastic is happening. That is the only time that we come crying out to God. And then when he delivers us from that, whatever it is that he delivers us from a week, a month, a year later, we forget of all the goodness that he's done. And we end up going back. And so this is what happens in Judges 10 in chapter 8. And and they're crying out and they're saying that now they see. They're like, Lord, we have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served other gods. And the Lord said this to the children of Israel. He says, didn't I not deliver you from the Egyptians, the Amorites? And he starts listing all these things. He says, didn't I deliver you from that? Didn't the Mennonites oppressed you and I delivered you from that? Hey, wasn't your, your finances not right? And you prayed and, and, and I delivered you from your finances? Your relationship with your spouse wasn't right? And I delivered you for that relationship? I re- redeemed that relationship with your spouse? Didn't you have a prodigal kid in your life? And you pray for that prodigal kid and now they're home and... Right? Didn't I pray? Didn't you pray for, for your health and, and, and I, I, I healed you? And he says, you cried out to me. And he says, I delivered you from their hands. Yet, you have forsaken me and you served other gods. This is what God is telling the Israelites, telling, telling the people, look, I did this. I took care of you. Time after time and after time. And every time you go back to your stinking thinking. You go back to your worldly ways. You go back to your flesh. And he says, this is what's interesting. And he says, therefore, I will deliver you no more. What? God is telling his people that that's it. I've had enough. You keep doing the same things over and over again. You're like a dog that goes back to his vomit. He says, that's it, I'm done. Who would ever thought that God would say that? He says, I'm done. He says, I will deliver you no more. And he says, you go. Go cry out. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. I remember times where God just said, Richard, I I bailed you. I bailed you out so many times. But you keep start, you you start getting drawn back in, thinking that you're going to do it yourself, thinking about you're going to fix it yourself. You keep trusting these doctors. You keep trusting what, what the world says. You keep trusting this and that and other people and this, but you're not trusting what I'm going to do, even though I've already done it in the past. He says, fine. You go on your own. You do it. That doesn't work too good. And that's what he tells the people of Israel. And he says, the children of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Just only deliver us this day, we pray. And so they put away their foreign gods. And from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. 
God delivered him, even though he said, I'm done. What was it that changed God's mind? What, it, what, what was it? I'll tell you what it was. In the first, they acknowledge that they've sinned. But God said, no. It's a whole lot more than just knowing. He says, it's it's a whole lot more than just knowing. It's time for you to start doing. It's time for you to start doing, getting physical. There has to be some action. There has to be some action that follows that knowledge. Because later on we see. What did they say? They said, we have sinned. Do whatever it is. And it says that they put away their foreign gods. They physically got rid of their idols. And God delivered them. As Gary comes up and we repair. What is it that God wants to deliver you from? Todd, can I have the mic? If you don't, there's some of us here that has experienced God's grace and his mercy. And one of the things that God calls us to do is to share. Right? We, we are supposed to acknowledge the good things that God has done and share. For a month and a half, we've been praying for this young lady, Amanda. And I'm going to be honest, probably 95% of us didn't think she was going to make it. We really did. I saw her the night that she got flown. And even with my medical knowledge, things that I've seen, our experiences, it was really easy for us to say, man, it's going to be tough. I don't know if she's going to make it. But God says, I have the last word. God said, I have the last word. Whatever it is, whatever problems you have, whatever bad things that the enemy is keeping you focused on, just remember the good things. Just remember the good things. And so before we... uh, I'm going to have Brandy share. I want to have an altar time. Because I know that there's some of you here to, to this morning. Man, you've just been focusing on some, some, some things that the enemy is, is trying to get you confused on. The enemy is trying to distract you. And you're not seeing the good things that God has already done. And so as Gary just pl- plays softly. <laughs>